This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Trans POV is more than just the trans narrative. There are the usual questions about the trans person's earliest memories and their various stages of gender exploration. We have already discussed the differences between transsexual, transgender, and gender fluid, and that gender identity is different from gender expression, which again is different from sexual orientation. While I am usually open to answering other people's respectful questions, which no one would ever dare to ask of other transgender people, it is clear that simple definitions aren't enough anymore, and we need to be talking about lived realities and sometimes the voices you need to hear from aren't always trans. It's time for a bit of Trans 201. Welcome to Trans Point of View. Welcome back. You are listening to Trans Point of View. My name is Michelle. Now, we don't just talk trans. We talk everything around gender, gender expression, uh, whatever stories you have to tell. There's so many stories that we have to share from our wider community. Now, today, I have an interesting treat for you. This is, this is four years in the making. Now, I have on the other line my mother. I, I, now, I, I know this is, this is, this is, yes, my mom. So, (laughs) (laughs) and there she is. Uh, It has not actually been an easy journey, but where we've actually come to is a a really interesting space. So at this point, I'd like to introduce you to my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, baby. (laughs) Now, mom, can you run us through a bit of, I guess, our story? You share, please. Um, It hasn't been an easy journey. It was a beautiful beginning. Um, When I had my first child, um, obviously this was you, and it was a beautiful moment that I cherished very much. And we really went through our journey. Now, obviously, you know, you, 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 after talking years later, you know, you kind of had a chance to look back on some of the things that I myself as a child went through. Uh, was there any points at all that maybe stood out to you that I that I was, you know, struggling or dealing with this? We, we laugh now at some of the things that we really didn't notice then. Um, kindergarten, when you were told to color different things, different colors such as an apple red and a house brown, you decided everything was going to be purple. <laughs> you really retaliated a lot. And we look back at pictures of a um, baby blanket that was given to me by my mother-in-law at the time. And it was pink with purple flowers. And I'm thinking pink on a boy. But I was told it was a family blanket, you know, got to use it. I broke my and kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And, you know, we talked about, I put you in a beautiful pink polo and I, you know, I did all these different things that I just felt comfortable with. And then later on, I thought, did I do this? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, people need to know in the very beginning, you're Daniel. I named you Daniel. Uh, you were named after your father. You were a junior. And uh, you did some of the cutest things when you were little. Not that you aren't doing cute things now, but um, 
you know, uh, you grow up and begin to have your own personality and parents don't like that. <laughs> no, no, sometimes they don't. <laughs> and, uh, now, you know, being born in 1977 and, and growing up through the 80s and stuff, would you describe how would you describe, say, gender roles in the Midwest there in St. Louis? Oh, well, you know, boys didn't play with dolls. And what did I do? I got you Cabbage Patch doll and let you play with it. It was a boy doll, though. Um, if you were a boy, you wore blue. If you were a girl, you wore pink. You wore hair ribbons. You, you know, you definitely didn't paint the little boy's fingernails. And it was definitely boys do such and such and girls do the other such and such. You know, it it was a very strong society and church-driven uh, town. You, you did what society expected of you, and boy, you didn't balk at it. <laughs> no, well, well, you yourself, when you were growing up, uh, you had your own sort of balking against gender as well yourself. Uh, I remember telling you that uh, the last thing I wanted to wear was a dress. I was much more comfortable in jeans and T-shirt and tennies. And I wanted to wear the fringe jackets and go with the boys. And um, when they dressed me up one time to go out to um, a group to go out, I was so upset that they put my hair in pigtails and put me in a little outfit with a white sweater. And the boy told me I was cute. I popped him one, you know, I just, <laughs> I had, I want, I felt more comfortable in the male kind of gender. But as I grew, I liked being more feminine. I loved being with my husband. I loved having my babies, but you'll find me a lot more comfortable in my you know, everyday wear that I guess would be more male gender. Do you think uh, my coming out, you know, these past these past four years has made you go back and reflect on that more? Is it something you never really thought about until now? Or? Oh my gosh, yeah, I've looked at things so much differently. You have educated me in a way no one else has ever educated me. Um, I I thought. What did I do? Uh, I thought, how do I handle this? I thought, what is society going to say? I went to counseling. Um, uh, I questioned if you were gay. I questioned everything. Uh, I, I didn't know what transgender was. Um, I've Googled. I've read. I've, I've done everything that I could. And we've gone through some terrible arguments over it because I wasn't open. I was being squashed by everybody else's opinion. Do you, uh, this is something I, I've sort of learned as well, that when you come out yourself, like myself coming out as, you know, a trans or even if somebody came out as gay or whatever, do you feel you as, as a family member are sort of stuck in position like you're coming out as well? Um, I think what it does is it leaves you in a position where you're constantly trying to explain. And there's no reason that you should have to. Um, I've become much more aware of different people and their personalities and their genders and who they are now than I ever have. And it's I'm much more accepting than I ever was. When we, when I had first come out, 
And again, you know, for me, these stories are about being raw. These stories are about about the real. You know, the, this is right. this is real. So when right. I initially came out, and I remember there was you know stories made up, which I swear to God weren't true, um, where people had seen photos of me, you know, dressed up as a woman on like pool tables and things like that. And I remember you didn't mm-hmm. have a very good response to that. Well, what it was is family members were contacting me. It wasn't anything that I was exposed to, but family members were contacting me, distant people, and saying that um, this was my child and this was um, a photo of them on the web and this was this. And um, it was startling and it was upsetting and... um, I remember the response by my husband at that time um, was that, um, you know, uh, our child is gay and um, our, our child, we don't, we don't really know what's going through Danny's head. And, um, you know, it... I didn't know what was going through my head. I didn't like it. Other people were imposing into my private life. I'm an extremely private person and that upset me. Mm -hmm. And I've learned not to be so private anymore and to be more open um, about discussing things and um, having conversations. And you and I have learned not to let other people get in the middle of our conversations. We've kept our um, contact when we first uh, got to where we could talk without other people interfering that we didn't tell your siblings we were even talking. No, no, not at all. And I know that that first initial um, story that came out was when was many years ago, like we're talking like late 90s as well. And, you know, after that, I did move to Australia and, you know, Living the standard two point five picket fence, had had my daughters, got married, right? And did that? Was that something that just all of a sudden, because I was living that life, was that something that 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 before had left that, your mind, or was it something that still floated in the back of your brain? Well, what it what I think what it was is I was questioning, why now? Why did you do it after two weddings and two children? Why why now? Why didn't you tell me earlier? Why did we wait this late in life? Um, What's going to happen to the kids? What about the kids? That's all I could think about is, what about the kids? That's common. What are you doing to the kids, you know? And I think that's where my anger came from because I didn't understand. And I thought it was affecting my granddaughters. Did you feel that that you, as someone with a family member, well, obviously your child, going through transition, did you... Did you uh, feel lost like you had no support whatsoever did somebody even talk to yourself nobody talked to me I didn't understand anything um, the f- the few people I talked to was my minister um, one minister I talked to pretty much called it a- against um, the Bible and um, it was a sin and another minister I talked to was very understanding I finally went to counseling and talk to someone, um, which was really good because that lady was explaining it to me that it was something in your um, in your makeup of who you are yep. that you were struggling so terribly yourself that I wasn't helping you 
that you weren't doing this consciously to hurt anyone. You were really, literally struggling. And what's hard is I know you and I, like, we're, we're quite patient individuals. And I know myself whenever I'm stuck in a corner or I'm just dealing with, I know my first thing to do is just immediately just stand up and fight back. And I know like we butted heads so much on that in the early days of all this. And so we would talk for like a week and then we'd disappear. The problem is we would text each other a lot of times and we wouldn't hear each other's voices. And you can't tell when you're texting someone what kind of response is really coming back. Is that an angry text? Is that an upset? So one would push, the other would push, and you would push each other in a corner where you didn't think you could come out. Hmm. It's kind of like a battle of, of wits, and there was no wits there. It was just a battle. Now, I remember when you know there was one day um, I was in my kitchen and I had the girls with me while you know while we're just floating around the kitchen while they're having breakfast and. Bear and bug, they just, you know, they're like, oh, Daddy can have this, Daddy can have that. And they give you the iPad and they're like, hi, Nanny B, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, there was, you saw my interaction with the girls and you immediately started giving you what you, from your point of view, what you were seeing. Seeing you with your children and the, the motherly instinct that you had and, um, the protection and the guiding and the soft tone and everything about you just sunk to my heart. Um, I could see your nurturing. I could see everything about you with those girls. And to hear them talk to me and call me Nana B just, just cracked my heart. I mean, it brought me closer to you. We started talking more. Um, the girls made me realize I had nothing to fear. They were teaching me also. One of the things I find really hard um, when people come out is that they become isolated. They become alone. They don't have any family. They're there to actually guide them, hold their hand, walk them through. And I um, have found that it's something that I've also struggled and needed while going through this. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 40. Um, but at the same time, I'm still a young woman and what I'm going through with all of this. And it'd be, and, and I found that it, in some ways, my needing that guidance has brought me closer as well um, to you uh, and needing you more at this time. Yes. I yeah. would uh, um, Yeah. We were, we were close. We were close as you were a young child and we were close as you were a teenager, but you kind of withdrawn teenager. Um, when you got married, naturally your, um, connection was with your spouse, but when you transed to be Michelle, you had a softer tone about you that said, mom, What's going to happen to my body? Mom, how am I going to feel about this? Mom. And those are the words a mom lives for, is to say, you need me, or how can I help? And if I can tell anybody out there anything, it's to listen. 
I didn't listen before. I talked. I talked to you, talked at you, but I didn't listen. Listening is the key to everything and never giving up. I had to come back and tell you through all that anger that we went through that you're still my child and that I love you no matter what. And no matter where you are in life, I accept you. In a lot of ways, it's it was like the worst thing that could have happened to our relationship as a mother and son is I transitioning. And and so it was the worst thing that happened to me as Daniel. But like the best thing that could have happened to me as Michelle for our relationship is coming out. And so our relationship was remember, saved because right. I came out as Michelle. But you got, I remember one thing now that you mentioned that is the counselor told me I had to go through a grieving process because to me, I lost Daniel. So I had to grieve the loss of Daniel before I could accept Michelle. And that's something I, I've never, look, and from my, from my angle in all of this and transitioning, and that's the thing that's common that's brought up, Mom, that people say things like, my, my, this person has, has died. And in a lot of ways, I really struggled with that because, oh, my God, like, how could you think of me I as dying? I didn't die. I, I've, I didn't, I didn't yeah. look at it as you were dead. I looked at it as the part that you were my son doesn't exist anymore. You're still my child, but the part where I see you dressed up like a guy doesn't exist anymore. I have to accept that now you dress and present yourself as a woman to me. So you have to figure out how to present those words into your head. It's not like my son died and I have a rebirth of a daughter. It's this person changed and I have to accept that. Yeah, I think we joked the other day of of the first, because we still haven't after all this time. I think it's been about six years since I've been to St. Louis. And we, I think we joked the first time about coming home and oh, hugging yeah. for the first time. You're going, yeah, it's gonna be weird hugging you. And I'm like, I'm like, why? I would, I'm, I'm just gonna be you're like, because you have boobs. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, well, everybody doesn't know that I'm five two and you're what six three. three. Yeah. So <laughs> and you know, it's a, it's a, it's an odd hug to begin with. But now I'm gonna be sticking my head in your boobs. You know. <laughs> God. <laughs> Um, I know. You were also afraid on the first couple of times to use your more feminine tone in your voice. Yeah. And I'm not too afraid. Look, you, were, I, you were self-conscious at first. Yeah, well, I still am sometimes. I mean, look, I, I, may, I may be hosting many different shows and do public speaking and, and show up in spaces where I pretty much expose myself. And, and that's been, you know, the draw card of, of my um, brand. But I still have my insecurities. And, and sometimes, you know, I still present, like today, you know, I've got a, well, that's more of a female t-shirt. But I mean, I've got some of my boy jeans on, some runners. And, and I just, you know, well, I'm just going to go the flow. Well, it's been a shock to me to see you out there also. You know, when you were doing the Mardi Gras and you had all the feathers in your head and all these posts of all the places you are oh come on that that headdress was that headdress was pretty fabulous adorable (laughs) i did look there was another one there's another one where you were at and you were posted of all the people out there the one with the giant heart was you with the little little cindy lou who 
head <laughs> things in your hair. And it's like the six foot one over there with the heart is mine. <laughs> I uh, I photo bombed uh, the CFA here, which is the the. Uh, a fire brigade and the and the police department with this massive fi- sign going transgender uh, uh, a hero or something like that, and I was yes. I, I couldn't believe I did that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, and I, I wear those big things like a big headdress and whatever. I swear to God, I look like a big blue big bird. Just <laughs> I just tower over everything. I have to duck through doorways. I was so used to what you did to me as a child that that didn't bother me. Oh yeah, I was just weird as a kid. I started talking to watermelons and things. That should have been a sign then, Mom. In the grocery store, yes. Yes. <laughs> I would always tell people, I don't know these children. <laughs> but that's a good thing. I think that's why it was so hard later in the years when I guess I did come out that we had such, you know, there was such a negative response. Different places that you live throughout the world have more acceptance to different cultures and to different, um, you know, I, I didn't even know there was such thing as a transgender we were still getting used to getting equal rights for gays and lesbians i mean they're fighting desperately for their right to get married i didn't know anything about a transgender other than um okay publicly Cher's son had changed gender that was the only thing I knew. But, you got to remember, I'm I'm a homebody mom. I wasn't exposed. But even you know our culture there in the Midwest, where we're from, you know, it's it's the wider, um, I guess, attitude or point of view of things. And growing up yourself and and knowing anything about trans or gay, or whatever, what was what was the stereotype to you growing up? Um. So- I guess when we were growing up, if two women lived together, um, you automatically thought they were gay. Or if two men shared an apartment, you automatically thought they were gay. Um, I don't think we were really exposed to it until we were in our um, adult years. You didn't see anything in uh, younger years. And I'm 60. Um I think the first time I ever questioned anything about gay was an uncle that was a teacher and his best friend. Uh, I don't know if you remember Charlie. Oh, yeah, and I remember Bob Charlie. Nooner. Hmm. Charlie and Bob Nooner, they were adults uh, that were teachers. And evidently there were rumors going around that they were possibly gay. And I remember finding it out when I was, what, in my 30s? Um, but... Past that, no. And has it, has it been a real? Um, because people understand that back there in St. Louis, it it can be a bit quite quite a bit conservative there in the Midwest, and um, you know, talking about things from religion, and and it, it really does guide a lot of um, the conversation and uh, functions and everything over there in in America. Oh yeah. And has it been a real culture shock lately uh, with the? gay conversation the trans conversation like especially over the last say month when it's pride month there in america i think uh, i don't know if it's a conversation um i know that in my world it's a conversation um i don't have anybody that i know that has uh, a transgender child i've tried to look up different communities um that i could possibly go to um 
a class or a, um, a function where other parents uh, have gone on some of the sites, but most of them are children. None of them are adults. You know, they're for children. I know they've made some changes here as far as shopping goes. Um, they've taken down all that. Everything has changed to non-gender. Um, no more pink labels and blue labels at the stores. Um, they're not pushing gender products and gender. Um, how do I how do I explain this? They're not molding it to say that. Oh well, my son can't have a Barbie doll. He needs my to daughter, have a Big Mac. My daughter can't yeah. play with my daughter. Uh, uh, my daughter Joe's. gets the Barbie. My son my son has to play with the Mac truck. You know they don't do that anymore. No, no. Yeah, I'm kind of noticing a bit, and they're starting to really push that here as well too, down in Melbourne. Um, what has been probably the the hardest thing to get your head around, or um, or change within yourself uh, since say, my coming out? Um, I think the hardest thing, to be very honest, the hardest thing to wrap my head around when you would say you knew what it was like to be a woman now was telling you that you didn't have a womb and, and you couldn't give birth so that you didn't know what it was to be a woman. And that's not what makes you a woman. I had to go through all those struggles mm. and all the process. You know, there's different things about being a woman, you know, that that I've learned from our conversations that you know. Um, the gentleness of a woman, um, the protectiveness of a woman with your children, your heart, um, the intensity that you feel about people. Of course, a man can have all that too. I'm just noticing more things about you, the way you relate to people and how you want to be more of a caregiver. Um, I think uh, in some ways when you were more uh, male oriented, you had a little more selfishness. Uh, men have a little bit more selfishness, okay. a selfish side. At least you did in your personality. Um, and you don't have it at all now on your feminine side. Okay. Yeah, see, it's interesting actually seeing, you know, getting these, you know, this is the first time I've ever put my, myself on the examination table and people coming back and saying these sorts of things. So it's really, you know, even from a distance yourself and some of the conversations we have and how you you pick up on that from compared to before. I, it's very hard for me to examine myself of what I put you through, of not being there when you struggled through this transition. The one thing you keep asking me about if I'm exposed to transgender and that and what it's like here society society it's still shocking to see a couple black people in an all-white church or to see a black and white couple is that still something that that's not very common over there um you see it more but it's like our church now we've got one black person Hmm. and it's like it's like you know yeah. And so because because I know in St. Louis, if you could really describe St. Louis, um, would you say it's a very segregated city? It depends on where you city? live. 
in the city, it's a melting pot of everything. And you will see just about everything. And I always try to explain to people back home that when you look at St. Louis, it's it's very much, it's city. It's more suburbia where we're at. But then once you leave that suburbia, it's like big city, cow's corn, big city, cow's corn. <laughs> and you always, yeah, look for, you always look for exactly. the Walmart. I'm out in the cow's corn right now. So <laughs> seeing even a black person in church is like, Ugh! Yeah, you know, and it's not, and, and, and I don't and, want to say that on radio. No, no, that's okay, and it's okay to say that on radio. The thing is, is this is describing a story about what it's like in that area, and it's not you coming across as um, racist or sexist or transphobic or homophobic. It's it's explaining the life and what it is there uh, of the things you see. And yeah, you know, the, the I have to say, Julie exposed me to more gay people than anybody did. That's my sister, yeah. Yeah. And and, and was that a, was that a shock uh, for you when she first started bringing home gay guys? Uh. Uh-uh. No. No, it was relief. Um, if you were to meet, say, somebody else who's trans, there would you would you actively engage in the conversation, or would you find you you probably be a bit uncomfortable, or would you because of our interaction? Do you think it, it just breaks because down? of our interaction, I could handle it a lot better. Hmm. And some people, when you're around them, are very obvious transgender, and others aren't. You never know who you're talking to. When you see them on TV, you never know. Hmm. So, yeah, so so basically in St. Louis, it's very much a um, culturally very um, Christian, white, heterosexual area. And so... Yes. To see somebody who is, say, gay or trans or even mixed couples, that's a very... Or even just someone who's of color or of a nationality, that's a, that's a quite a bit of a shock. Yes, unless you're in the city area. In the city area, uh, downtown, you can see just about anything. Um, where I live is more country living. Um, it went from deep in the city downtown to um, part of the county um, where you would see more suburbs, and then it's out in the sticks. I mean, now I live pretty much out in the sticks. <laughs> and I don't see anything. <laughs> um, and I was I was very much a housewife raising four children. And the only time I went out is to the grocery store or the pediatrician. What is the the overall attitude that you see there um where where you're you're living, say towards anything regarding, say LGBT in general. You don't see it at all, and where I live is fifty five and older. And if you mention gay, it's pretty much the doors closed in your face. What, 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 uh, I know one of the neighbors when we were talking about um, that we thought. Uh, you know, gay rights and it was voting time. She says, I won't vote for anything like that at all. It's against the Bible. And it's a shame. So if I, if I were to come home and, and stay with you at say your, um, uh, suburb and your community there, what would you think the attitude would be like towards me coming there? A shock, a lot of staring, a lot of questions. And I'll be waving a lot and smiling. <laughs> and be like the queen. Instead of, try- Just... instead of trying to shush you into the house like I used to, I would be going, hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's mine! <laughs> yeah, this one's mine. Part, I'll sweep up the glitter later. 
Yeah. We'll talk about it later. It's mine. <laughs> Don't worry. It's not going to eat you in your sleep. I know. If the Marine didn't get you, this one surely won't. You'd be more afraid of the Marine. Jesus. Yeah. He slept with the gun under his pillow. Come on. Yeah. The most I'm going to do is help you fix your hair. I know. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, once they see I look better, they might be stopping at the door and knocking. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I, I could, I could do your makeup better than anyone else. I know. I better than I can. <laughs> um, now, for you, for like myself. So, with myself and I, you know, with the way I present and things like that, does it, does it um, uh, make you? With the way I present, obviously, don't present all the time as 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 feminine, like stereotypical, overly feminine. So does that um, make you have any questioning or uh, uh, give you concern yourself? No. Um, What I've noticed is you've picked up a lot more of my traits than I realized. Um, I am... I am feminine. Um, I like to have my hair done and I like to wear jewelry, but I'm very modest about what I wear. I I like to wear, um, my ears are pierced, so I like to wear a simple pearl and a pearl necklace. And um, I I think less is more. Mm. Makeup should be something to accent what you have, not turn you into a clown. Um, I don't like plunging necklines and um, a skirt to where your fanny's hanging out. Uh, I think <laughs> that's that's probably the yeah. wrong word to use in Australia, Mom. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But but but, but, but <laughs> your same, butt end. Yeah, your yeah, butt yeah. End but but it, but it's pretty much the same idea. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you have to not deliver everything for free. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, on silver I, platter. I you're very modest. You're very modest about how you um, dress and how you present yourself, and I like that. I've also noticed you pick up a lot of my traditions. Oh, very big on the traditions. I mean, that's that's just something where we come from and who we are as a as from St. Louis. Yeah, your little Charlie Brown Christmas tree and <laughs> our uh, chipmunks cartoons and Rudolph. Oh my gosh. And that is the end of today's show. If you did enjoy today's content, go to your favorite app, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, the Apple Podcast app, hit subscribe. There you can download future episodes and previous episodes if you missed anything we've shared in the past. Also, you can share content with other people who might think some of the content's relevant. If you want to reach out to us during the week, you can get us on facebook.com forward slash transpovonjoy. You can also get us on Twitter on transpov as well as Instagram, transpov, that's transpov. If you do want to listen in and follow up on more things regarding this show or any other show here at Joy, you can go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organization, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.